Buckle up. Buckle up. I got stuff to say today. We're finished. Hey, man. I'm, I'm finishing the, ser- the series. I'm finishing the series today on the prophets. And, uh, man, I got a lot to say. So, ooh, this is going to be like, uh, see if I could beat Pastor Nelson a couple weeks ago. No, I'm just kidding. If it's your first time out, uh, sometimes we go long. Sometimes we go long. Nah, we're not going to today, though. Actually, it's kind of a simple message to wrap this up. Really, here, I'll tell you. If you want to go now and get to gringos, I'll tell you the message. The message is Jesus is the point of the prophets. The ultimate point of the prophets that they're pointing towards is Jesus. There it is. There it is. So, Sam Martin. I know Martin's out of here. He's out of here. See you, buddy. Save me a place at Gringo's. I'm going to read. I'm going to read a section of scripture, and then we're going to pray, and then I'm going to try to unpack this for us a little bit. Okay? So Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now you'll notice we've been in the we've been in the minor prophets. What the heck are we doing in Matthew? If you're if you know your Bible a little bit, you'll know that Matthew's not the minor prophets. Matthew, you talk about as the New Testament. So what are we doing there? Honestly, I'm throwing you a little bit of a curveball today, uh, just because we can. So I'll make the connection here, but just listen to this. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their sinnies. Now when John, now this is John the Baptist here, okay? This isn't John, the guy who wrote the Gospel of John. This is a different guy. This is John the Baptist. And it, just stay with me. If you don't know who John the Baptist is, that's okay. John the Baptist, when he heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, said to Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind are receiving their sight. The lame are walking. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. That's fascinating. Just a little quick. He's quoting here some old uh, prophetic stuff. And actually within these prophecies, at the end of that, it also says um, the, 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 the person who's in prison will break free. It's interesting that Jesus leaves that out as he's sharing that with John the Baptist, who is in prison. Ah, that's fascinating to me. I love that. Doesn't it give you just little chills? See, Jesus is saying, you might end up staying in prison here, John. In fact, John will end up dying. He'll have his head cut off. But John would have known that He would have known that. He would have been waiting for, oh yeah, get me out of prison too. Not this time. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? So Jesus is now talking to the crowds about John. Did you go out uh, into the wilderness to see a reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. That was last week's message. That's a prophecy there from Malachi. 
Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, let's pray, and then I'm going to try to get into this a little bit. Lord, I know for me, I've just been talking so much that I just feel like, huh. I just pray that you'd help me to recenter here so that we might uh, align with your Spirit's leading this morning. Help me, Lord, to simply give what's needed to feed us, Lord, this morning, that we would be nourished, that our souls would be nourished. You know, we maybe got some breakfast this morning, Lord, and uh, now we're full and we're, we're, we're feeling good that way, but God, our souls need fed this morning. And I pray that you would utilize me now, put that bit in my mouth and, and pull me to the left or the right so that we'd hear from you. Not, people aren't here to hear me. They don't care what Seth has to say, God. We want to hear from you. So, Spirit of the living God, now come and fall afresh upon this time and this moment and um, work in a mighty way in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so at the very beginning of this series, I used the example of a parent kind of as an illustration, a parent telling their child to go tell their siblings that it's time to eat. Do you remember that? It was the very first week I started doing this series on the prophets. And what I use that illustration as is the, the prophets are kind of like that. They're the kind of people who've been told by God a news or a message to go tell the people. Go tell them it's time to eat kind of thing, okay? Well, John the Baptist, as, as kind of funny as this is, John the Baptist is one of these prophets. John the Baptist is a prophet who's been told by God to go and give a message to the people. Now, I know that our series even, we've really focused on the, what we call minor prophets, which not minor in their authority or their significance or anything like that. Minor in really more the length of their prof prophetic writings. And so you have guys like Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. You can find those uh, in the Bible, kind of after the Psalms, kind of. There's a spot where you can find that, these guys' writings. And just throw this picture up here really quick. I got a, the illustration I'd given you, this was week one. You remember the, the, the big grand worldview of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. I just see that as a biblical worldview. You really confess that. You profess that when you really said the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. And then it begins to take us into redemption. And then it begins to point us forward to He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Redemption, restoration, new heavens, new earth kind of stuff, okay? So 
this is a biblical worldview. If somebody were to ask me, Seth, what's your worldview? I would say, God created the world. Man brought sin into the world. There's a fall. Um, then there's redemption. Jesus died on the cross to redeem us. And then there's one day full restoration. He will come again to judge the living and the dead and bring with him the new heavens and the new earth. That is, what, that, is the, that is the life that Seth Kinsey lives in, believes to be true, the true reality of it all kind of thing, okay? And then within that story, you have Adam and Eve, and you have uh, Abraham, and you have Isaac and Jacob, and you have uh, guys like Moses who come on the scene. And I'm, I gave you kind of some general ideas behind some dates. And you have David, King David, around 1000 BC. And then you have the, the kingdom of Israel that gets split into the northern kingdom called Israel, which they kind of hold that name, Israel. And then the southern kingdom, which is uh, the, the tribe of Judah. Uh, and so that kind of gets named Judah. And, and, and you have basically throughout the Old Testament then, around that time period of 1000 BC till the time of Jesus, you kind of have this God uh, working, and you can go read about all of this, okay? This is, this, you can go read this. You have God working through these kings and these countries and, and nations and stuff like that starts to become the, the theme. And you have God utilizing the prophets, and that's, that's the square box, right there, around 800 B.C. to 400 B.C., you have, that is the spot where we've been talking about. We've been talking about Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, those minor prophets have take place within that box. Okay, does that make sense? Just kind of a quick overview. Now, John the Baptist does not fit in that box. John the Baptist is 400 years later where the little like cross is. I have the cross there as kind of like where Jesus comes on. Let's call that zero-ish, okay? So Jesus, where, where the cross is, that's where John the Baptist is. So this message today is outside of what we've really been talking about, which has been primarily God's word to his people within that blue box. You can take away the blue box thingy, that's fine. And so ultimately what I wanted to just say to you is that John the Baptist is a prophet. You can read about John in Luke chapter 1. If you're taking notes and you want to go back and do a little bit of looking at John, you can go read about him and how he came about, how he was born. Uh, some incredible, it's an incredible story, but I'm going to let you just read it on your own. Luke chapter 1 in the Bible, you can go read that. Nobody's taking notes, so nobody will read about John. That's fine. Okay, one note, awesome. Nice job, Judy. Julie, you're amazing. Uh, and so now within that moment of John the Baptist coming on the scene, there's a couple things I want to point out, okay? So what the message today is going to be pointing out three things about John the Baptist. Then I'm going to take us to the point of the prophets kind of and unpack that a little bit. Really quickly, look at, look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 9. What then, Jesus says, did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. John the Baptist is a prophet, and even more so than a prophet. 
And what he's really doing is John, and this is why I wanted to bring him up today. John has kind of, just think about it like this. John has one foot in like the Old Testament, in the, the old covenant of how God was operating and working. And he also now has another foot in the kind of new covenant, the new way in which God is going to begin to work through and in Jesus Christ. And John is, that's why he's such a linchpin. He's such a linchpin between all of this stuff and all of this stuff. And he's a connector. And he begins to make a path and he begins to reveal the, the connection points for us in why all of this, the whole story, is so important. And he's prophetic in the way he does this. Okay? He's called a prophet right here by Jesus himself. He's, he's this connection point between us, uh, between the past and the present realities of what God is up to. Here's a side note for you. This is a little bit more for the Christian who knows their Bible. Okay? Just, just follow me for two seconds. Just think about, you have a story like... like the people of God in slavery in Egypt, right? Remember this story? They're, the people of God are in slavery in Egypt. Moses comes along, brings them out of slavery, takes them across the Red Sea, through the waters of the Red Sea, takes them to wandering 40 years in the desert, takes them to the Jordan River where they cross the Jordan and enter into the Promised Land. Now watch what happens. You have a situation like this. Uh, 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 1,400 years later, you have Jesus who comes on the scene. Jesus, right? What, is, what does Jesus do? Jesus gets, he's born. Uh, in Matthew chapter 2, it says that Jesus came out of Egypt. That might even be something new to some of you. Jesus actually, Mary and Joseph had to go flee uh, from, from Herod, and so they fled, and they went to Egypt. And in Matthew chapter 2, it says that it, it was actually a prophetic word that God would call his son out of Egypt. And so Jesus came out of Egypt. And then what happens? Jesus enters into the waters of baptism. And then what happens? Immediately Jesus goes and he spends how many days out in the wilderness being tempted by the enemy? 40 days. Then what happens? Jesus goes to the cross and he dies, right? And then what happens? He ascends to the Father, to the promised land, however you want to kind of look at it. But see, my point is this, and I could preach on that, by the way, and I'm not going to today, but Jesus is, and even the prophet Isaiah talked about Israel being down to one. Jesus is Israel in one. My point is saying this. Jesus is able to do what Israel has been unable to do. Jesus is able to do what you can't do. And so our connection to him will become vitally important. And it's John who begins to help us see some of this. He begins to make a way for us to see who Jesus really is. Now again, that was, that was kind of deep there for a second, but ultimately all I'm trying to do is show you, especially somebody who knows their Bible a little bit better there, something really cool that you can kind of see and make some connections with and why it's so important to see the whole story as connected. See that? 
And so the people of God, when they walked in the wilderness, they started complaining and grumbling within a couple days. Jesus, in his 40 days of being tempted by the devil himself, is resilient and doesn't stumble. Jesus accomplishes what we cannot accomplish. Our sin and our brokenness is in need of being connected to one who isn't broken, who isn't disconnected, who is perfect. This is why we need Jesus. So God is doing even now a new thing as, as God is working in the person of Jesus Christ, himself coming to the, Emmanuel, Matthew says. God with us. God is with us working, ruling and reigning. Uh, uh, repent for the kingdom of God, or I'd like to personally translate that more as the reign of God is at hand, John the Baptist says. Repent, Jesus says. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The rule, the reign. God is now beginning to do a new thing. Not, not new like start over. No, no. He's just, he's entering in. God has now put on flesh. And he begins to rule and reign. How do we know that? This is what John asked. How do we know you're the one? Well, because of the blind's eyes are beginning to see. The demon-possessed person has the demon cast out of them. The lame little girl, she's able to rise up and walk. The dead can get up. The poor are preached to, and, and, and the brokenhearted are beginning to be mended. And Jesus says what he says there to John. Go tell John what you see and what you hear. God is coming in, and he's doing a new thing. And John, John's feet, he has one foot with the prophets of kind of the old, and he's got one foot in with what God is doing here now in the new. So that's one thing. He's a prophet. John, here's my second thing. Look at verse 10. I'm really looking at verse 9, 10, and 11 here. Behold, I send, this is he of whom it is written. This is Jesus talking here now. Jesus is saying, what was written, and what was written is from Malachi chapter 3. This is 400 years before Jesus. A pro prophecy was written. This is the prophecy. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. And Jesus quotes that. And he says of this quote, this is, right, John the Baptist. He's the prophet that was prophesied back here 400 years ago, and he is now preparing the way before who? Jesus. And if you go look at the prophecy, who's, who does it say the messenger will prepare the way for? The way for God. Implicitly, the, what's going on here is. This is an implicit connection that Jesus, yet again, all over Scripture, but just another spot where Jesus is God. He is Emmanuel. God with us. And John the Baptist is preparing the way for him. Look at, um, look at Matthew chapter 3. You've got to go back a couple chapters here. This is where John the Baptist kind of comes on the scene this is what it says. This isn't Jesus talking here. This is now 
well, Matthew talking, but in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, for this is he of whom was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. This is from Isaiah chapter 40. And Isaiah, which we haven't unpacked Isaiah at all, because uh, honestly, Isaiah almost needs his own sermon series. Isaiah is incredible. But Isaiah said this, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And here, the reference is, John is this guy that was prophesied about from Isaiah hundreds of years before. So John the Baptist is the fulfillment of this. And he is preparing the way, watch this, he is preparing the way, not of just some guy, but of the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D in your Bibles in the Old Testament, which is Yahweh, God. This is Jesus. Incredible claims are being made here. God in the flesh, Emmanuel. My third point is this. John was important, uh, but through faith, we're even greater. That's, look at this. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. Truly I say to you, watch this, this is amazing. Truly I say to you, among those born of a woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Now, if you or I said that, that doesn't mean too much. If Jesus says that, that's a pretty big deal. And Jesus says of John the Baptist, of, of someone born of woman, no one's been greater. Huh? Now, you just kind of do a little reflecting. Even if you're not a Christian, maybe you're an atheist or agnostic, you know there's people in like the Christian worldview that are really important. Guys like Abraham, that's a big deal. He's a big deal. Uh, Moses, giant deal. Isaac, Jacob, David, King David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. Kidding, that's not a, that's not a guy. That's just, I was just seeing if I'm catching you guys. Now, Ezekiel, Daniel, these are monster, monster, monster biblical characters. Some women, you know, Deborah, monster. Uh, Eve. Hannah, Sarah, some monster biblical characters. And Jesus comes and says, of woman up to this point, no one's greater than John the Baptist. Wow. That's mega. That's mega. John the Baptist is a big dude. It's one of the reasons he gets his own kind of little message here. And yet, follow this. I'm trying to set this up. As big of a deal as John is, what does Jesus say? Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is even greater than he. I am doing such a new thing. I am doing such a new thing the exodus out of, you know, Egypt out of slavery, powerful, awesome, cool, thanks God. Um, the building of the temple, God coming and dwelling in the temple, wow, powerful, cool, thanks God. But, but now, I am doing such a thing, as big of a deal as all that has been, and it is, it's massive. 
as big as that is, John is even greater. But now I am doing such a thing that, that I have come in the flesh. And now I am beginning to open the eyes of the blind and I'm, I'm bringing the good news to the poor and I'm, I'm helping people with their sin and their, I'm forgiving sins and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to save people by dying there and I'm going to resurrect from the dead so that I even defeat death itself and then I'm going to pour my spirit into people's hearts, not into a temple. Not into a building. I'm going to come and place my presence inside them. I'm going to be so connected to them. I'm going to do such a new thing. My rule and my reign will be so connected to people and so significant that that person, the least in the kingdom of heaven, that person who's the, the least of the least, but who still has been impacted by my presence in them, will be greater than even John. Holy smokes. This is what one commentary says. I just want to read to you specifically the, what, what, I, what I grabbed. Because I thought this said it pretty well. There is no greater identity than to belong to the kingdom under the blessing of the king. There is no greater identity than being in the kingdom and being connected to the king. Now that God has come to reign graciously in the world in the person of Jesus, Jesus' words are as true today as when he first spoke them. Even the newest, most timid believing disciple is greater than John. Not because of anything in himself, but because the forgiveness and power and new life of the reign of God have come to and encompassed him. Wow, what incredible news to look out at y'all and think greater than John, who was greater than all the others. Why? Because of Jesus in you. Because you are connected to his kingdom by faith in Jesus Christ. Because you are a son and daughter of the king. Holy smokes. Jesus, Jesus is, so th there's my little three things about John. Jesus is the ultimate point of the prophets. Ultimately, the prophets, they speak to sometimes specific things, yes. Uh, you're going to be conquered by Babylon, or you're going to be conquered by Assyria, or you're going to be taken into exile. Yep, yep, yep. Things are said about in those specific moments, yes. But ultimately, the prophets are primarily pointing towards Jesus. That's the ultimate point of the prophets. If you read through all of what, you read through our whole sermon series, and you go read through the whole Bible, every prophet, now you go read through it all, but you miss Jesus, you've missed the ultimate point. Look at, look at what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Matthew 5, 17. I'm in John. Look at this. Do not think, Jesus says, that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but I have come to fulfill them. 
I've not come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. They're pointing to me. And then look at this, John chapter, uh, John chapter 5, verse 39. Jesus says, you search the scriptures. You look at them, and you look at them, and you look at them. You're looking at the scriptures. You're reading the prophets, and you're reading Moses, and you're reading the law. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me, Jesus says. You could read this Bible a million times over, but if you miss Jesus, you're missing the point. You could just keep reading it and 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 reading it. But if you miss Jesus as the ultimate point of it, if, if, it's, if, if the point is simply the messenger of the kid who runs and tells the other person, hey, it's time for dinner, it's time for dinner, it's time. If that's the point, you're missing the point. The point is, come around the table and it's time to eat. See? That's the point. The point isn't even so much it's time to eat. The point isn't even so much the messenger. It's not the hearer. It's not, those aren't the point. The point, come around the food. Let's actually go do that time. The point of the scriptures is Jesus. That's where it's all pointing to. And John the Baptist starts to help us with this. But here's my question. I literally thought about this. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. I was, I was in the shower. And I was thinking about you guys. I was literally, I, I had this thought. I was like, you know, I'm going to say some of this stuff about John and Jesus, and I'm going to have somebody say in their minds, they're going to say, who cares, Seth? Like, what's, what are you trying to tell me? Why is this important? Why is this important that Jesus is the point of the prophets? Okay, nice little bit of information, but how does that impact me? That's what I was thinking. I was thinking, somebody's going to ask me that. And i got to have an answer for that. Here's what it is. If you, if you look at, if you look at the, the Old Testament, the prophets, you have, the number one thing they're looking for, what are they looking for? Time and time again through the stories. What they're really looking for is they're looking for, and, and this is just kind of what makes sense to me. This isn't like the answer or the only answer. It's just what I want to give you today. They're looking for a good prophet. They're always struggling with prophets because they got a bunch that are really bad. They're looking for good prophets who they know are actually hearing from the Lord and then, then that message is coming to them. They're looking for good prophets. They're looking for good priests. And they're looking for good kings. That's what they're looking for. Prophet, priest, king. What is a prophet? What would we think of as a prophet today? We would think of somebody who maybe, somebody who can have some kind of connection to the future, some kind of understanding of what could happen, and then who could give us a word of hope as we move into the future. Some kind of word of hope or truth or something. That's what we'd be looking for in a prophet. We do this when we ask a question like, hey, hey, what am I supposed to do with you know, my 401k? Or what am I supposed to do with my finances? Or should I invest over here? Or should I invest over here? And we, we look to somebody who might have kind of some inside information or something who could point us into some direction of, yeah, put it here so that that can happen. Sweet. But we look for that at even a greater level, don't we? We're like, is there something about the future? Is there somebody who could tell me something about how broken my life is? Some kind of hope. 
A priest. A priest. What do we look for in a priest? When I think of a priest, I think of a mediator between us and God. I think of a, when I think of a priest, I'm, I think of like a, someone who has an understanding of like two worlds, the temporal world, but also has kind of some connection or understanding with the spiritual world. You know, they, they, they kind of understand both. Isn't it true that I feel like our culture even wants something, some kind of connection to, there's got to be something more. And so we look for, we, we, we feel a desire for somebody who could maybe provide that. Or a king, right? This comes up every election year. Somebody who can reign, somebody who can rule over us, but who will do it with justice and who will do it rightly and who will do it in a way that has people in mind and cares and serves and doesn't just take and steal and kill and destroy, but, but who will give and care for and govern wisely. Don't we look for that? See, it's, isn't it true that we kind of in our own ways are looking for a prophet, a priest, and a king? You know what I mean? And you can kind of spin that in your own way, you know, how you kind of feel pulled in certain ways to that. But that's what they were looking for. They just wanted a good prophet, somebody who'd bring a word. They're looking for a good priest, someone who'd make the right sacrifices and understand the heavenly and the earthly. They're looking for a good king, someone who'd rule and govern wisely. And then what happens? Jesus comes on the scene, the point of the prophets. And, and what does Jesus do? Well, who is Jesus? He is prophet, priest, and king. He is that, actually, actually scripture calls him even a prophet. Now Jesus, Jesus is more than a prophet for sure, but he's not less than a prophet. Jesus himself comes as a prophet, but, but more than a prophet. He is not only the spokesman of the word, John would tell us, the apostle John would tell us, he is the word. He himself comes. He is the message. And he comes to bring us the ultimate hope, the ultimate future. He has the best, con he is that word that comes to us and speaks to our hearts. As, he, as our priest, as our priest, he's not a priest who just takes the little sheep and slices the throat and Jesus himself climbs up on the altar. He lays himself down for us as the ultimate sacrifice. He is the one who understands the heavenly and the earthly best. He comes, he comes down and puts on flesh so he understands us in every way, but not just us. He also understands the eternal. He is the best mediator between us and God that we could ask for. And as king, isn't it fascinating that all of our kings steal, grab, take, want more, use us? And yet Jesus comes and he rides in on a donkey and he washes his disciples' feet 
And he serves. And he rules with authority and says to the demons, be gone. And he says to the sick, be healed. And he wipes the tears from the brokenhearted. And he preaches the good news to not just the rich and the powerful and the smart, but to the poor and the seemingly insignificant and those who'd feel alone and betrayed. And he does a ruling and a reigning unlike any other, but that which we need the most. He rules and he reigns in our hearts and in our lives. See, every prophecy that's ever been prophesied about Jesus and who he is and his coming, it's happened. And so we can look at the prophets and we can say, holy smokes, thank you, Jesus. But what it also does is it, it begins to posture us. It begins to get our, keep us on our toes as we look to the prophecies that are still to come, that are still to be fulfilled. The most clear the most um, agreed upon prophecy of all between all Christians, even though there's ways in which sometimes that gets, stuff gets debated, the one prophecy that I'll highlight today that's especially clear and especially, yes, of course this is still yet to come, it is that Jesus will return. And so we can look at all the fulfillment of the prophecies and how Jesus was the point of those prophecies. And it can get us, it can get us thinking, it can get us preparing, it can get us already our hearts being ready for, watching, waiting for the return of Jesus. Because that is a prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. And it will come. And guess what it's all going to be about? It's all going to be about Jesus. So when I get to preach my little message up in heaven, I'll talk about that one too. I'm just kidding. He will return as our eternal prophet, priest, and king. What we need more than anything else. What these people back here were hoping for, what they wanted, what they needed. What we want, what we need. And it's ours in Jesus Christ. And it's John the Baptist who begins to make a way for that, for him. John is really an important character. The most important, the, mo the greatest. You and I, even greater, connected to Jesus Christ. Wow. I don't know what that message does for you, but I pray it blesses you. I, I pray it shapes you and molds you. Let me pray even now. Holy Spirit, thank you for this word. Thank you for this word. God, I feel compelled to pray a prayer of forgiveness uh, that we would, we're sorry, Lord, for the times that we have looked to other things to be our ultimate source of connection to outside of this world. We've looked to... Um, yeah, we've looked to all sorts of stuff. We've looked to the wrong kings. We've looked to the wrong prophets. We've looked to the wrong priests. And Jesus, I thank you that you are our ultimate sense. You are our ultimate prophet, priest, and king. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for that, Lord. We're sorry for where we've looked elsewhere. Today, if there's somebody in here that's tried out a lot of other places a lot of other things, and they just see how empty it really is. They've experienced that. They're like, yeah, 
There isn't. There, I, I've tried a lot of stuff as my mediator. Nothing comes close to what I really need. May that person today, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would meet them as they reach out to, to seek after you. We know that you say, if we seek, we'll find. And so, bless that person today with finding, with a foundness. Let them find you, Jesus. God, help us to stay on our toes as we look forward to your second return. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. We love you, Jesus. We praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.